0: We've all heard the saying, learn to love the process. But why learn to love something? Why not create a process that is easy to love? Welcome to Peace With The Process, where I bring you professionals who specialize in the processes we incorporate to sustain consistent, healthy growth. I believe in learning from others' mistakes and successes. So I also bring on entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches And tell us how they got there and how they got out. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life. And that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to another episode of Peace with the Process. Boy have I got... Some information for you. Now, many of you know, and you may even hear it in the background, that I became a father last week. Uh, now, if you've been following me on social media, you've obviously seen that, the posts and things like that that I've put out there. Um, but literally, he was here on the day that he was quote unquote scheduled to be here. So, June 1st was his due date from our first doctor's appointment. I think we may have gotten a couple of ranges here and there, but lots of exciting things went on during my week last week. With that being said, I'm going to save that topic for another weekly episode. I've decided that I'm going to uh, semi-sort of document the parenting uh, experience uh, as being a father and my son 's journey on how all of that 's going, so there will be it 's going to be kind of its own process perspective right the the fatherhood process the uh, new brand new life you know the 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 brand new start of a life perspective kind of my observations of some of what he goes through and you know i 'm going to throw in some some tips and tricks that i 've found along the way I hope that I can I inspire some other dads to uh, do some things uh, along the way and I hope that I provoke some conversations of other dads or parents, however that looks, to share their thoughts and ideas with how they raise their very first child, son, daughter, however that looks. So I'm going to save all of that for an episode that I'll be releasing every Friday and thinking about calling it Uh, The Father Files, something like that. I don't know. I haven't quite decided on it yet. But there will be a Friday episode that's going to be released from now on. Now, will I have a stopping point on it? Maybe. I may change it into something else at a later date. But for now, I want to stick with documenting some of this process for my own personal use as well as any other fathers that are out there. Uh, Current fathers or soon-to-be fathers or people who are just thinking about becoming fathers. uh, Whatever that looks like for you. So without further ado, I'll jump into my usual spiel here and thank each and every one of you for hopping on another uh, piece with the Process uh, podcast episode. And I genuinely enjoy each and every one of you having listened to this show. Uh, many of you from day one, many of you hopped on and listened to every single episode and caught yourself up with all the day one listeners. And I genuinely appreciate that. Many of you have even gone in and given... Uh, ratings and reviews. Thank you so much those of you who have taken time out of your day to hit the scale of 1 to 5 stars to give a uh, review, I'm sorry, a rating that that is genuinely appreciated and those of you who went the extra step and spent 5 or so minutes of your day to write out how The Peace With The Process podcast has uh, affected you, influenced you, benefited you, whatever in some form or fashion. Thank you so much. We genuinely appreciate all of those. Uh, Now, today's guest is a pretty amazing guest. I actually came across this gentleman through a clubhouse uh, conversation that I was involved in, him and another one of the uh, guests that we're going to have on the show later on down the line. Uh, but this gentleman has achieved some amazing things. I'm not going to get into it because we address it right off the bat uh, of our episode together. So what I'll do is go ahead and let him share with you uh, his own feats, the things that he's achieved and why he set out to achieve them in the first place. All right, guys, uh, here is our guest, Mr. Sean Swarner. Yeah, well, thank you for that. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Sean? Great. I'm trying to, uh, there we go. I'm arguing with, uh, that female
1: from, uh, Amazon right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know I've got i I've got her sitting here on my desk as well. I think she's actually supposed to go off to remind me at something about one o'clock here in just a moment. Nice. But maybe she won't because sometimes she decides she doesn't want to. (laughs) Right. No, I I get into an argument with her. I'm like,
1: Stop. Stop. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep, I do the same thing. That's hilarious, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Doing great. Back training again for Kilimanjaro. We're, we're doing. Uh, actually, that's that's what's behind me. Nice. Um, July July twenty July twentieth. I'm leaving. I think everyone else is showing up. July
0: twenty fourth. From your calendar. I,
1: talk to everyone. Interview. With there Dr. she goes. There it is.
0: <laughs> there we go. I don't quite know how to stop her from telling me that. Even Come if I Canada. hit the mute button, so Talk she's to just gonna do that to do. one more time, and then she's done. Starts in 30 minutes. Okay, there we go. She's done. <laughs> that, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had another interview that's going on with this different group that I do, but uh, we're gonna do our thing, and then if I got time to catch the end of theirs, I will. If we don't, we don't. It's no big deal.
1: That's so funny. Now, I'll get into an argument with her. I'm like, you're a bitch. and She goes, that's not very nice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my wife gets jealous because uh, I've got her set up to tell her good night so that she'll turn off some of the lights that we have here in the living room. And I'll tell her good night. And I've got her set up to give me a response back. That's just a general good night. So sometimes she'll say, uh, enjoy your beauty rest, not like you need it. But then when my <laughs> wife says it, when my wife tells her good night, she just <clears throat> says good night. And she's like, "What the hell are you doing with like elect- with her that <laughs> that I don't, you know?" And I'm like, "No, nah, I'm just saying we got that relationship when you're not around."
1: <laughs> That's funny,
0: because we we have um we have her yeah uh, on the speakers around the house, but in our bedroom we have Google, right? Mm.
1: So at night when I'll I'll say you know, "Okay, Google, good night," and it'll set the uh, the thermostat to whatever temperature. And then it'll say um, he'll say good night Sean you're awesome and julisa Sean loves you
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go yeah I love the the different things we can do to set those things up I've got one that uh, I've got one that I say it's time to get sexy and she'll dim the lights and she'll turn on Uh-oh. that uh, let's let's <laughs> get it on and do all that so I love playing around with that I thing. I need to do that I'm gonna there do you it go out the phone. <laughs> well man we can just jump straight into it um i used to do a little bit of uh you know pre-conversation before we hop on to the to the show into the recording but i like just hopping in and and letting the conversation start where it goes um yeah for the, that's great yeah if, man
1: if you want me let me go got is that is that annoying right there with the huge reflection
0: no i think you're good if you want to make some adjustments you can Easy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's super sunny here in Colorado, and I have, mm. the, the sun's shining right in my windows.
0: I was about to ask where you're calling from. I know the background's Kilimanjaro, but I certainly know you're not getting this type of reception from out there. Yeah,
1: right? That, and if I walk backwards, I'll probably disappear.
0: <laughs> Very cool. So Colorado, that's nice, yeah, man. South I like it. traveling South up there from time to time.
1: And where, where are you?
0: Uh, I'm in Texas right now. Yeah, a few miles east of Dallas.
1: Okay, I was going to say Texas. It's a big state.
0: It is a big state. It is a big state, but um, yeah. For the listeners who uh, are don't know, Sean and I actually got semi-sort of acquainted on a clubhouse uh, room that we were in at the same time. And we, I uh, was on there. I posed a question to several of the people who were on the panel up there about what it is that they do for their, you know, basically how to track their growth. And Sean's answer was not only a little bit similar to mine, but it had enough differences in it that I was very intrigued by what he does but before we even dove into that I everybody was raving about Sean's uh background and what he has done and what he's accomplished and I've I got it here because there's so many things that you've done that I have to I'm going to read it off I didn't I didn't memorize this so it actually says so Sean became the only person in history to climb the highest mountain on every continent trek to the south and north poles and complete the Hawaii Ironman all with one lung. Now, because of that, as well as I'm sure just your your, your personality and your charisma, you are also ranked uh, in uh, one of the top eight most inspirational people of all time. So before we dive into what you and I talked about, as far as the daily process and how you keep up with that, obviously, I know the listeners want to know a little bit of background and and, and what how this all came to be.
1: I, I also want to point out that in that list of, of seven other people, there's like Bruce Lee and John Glenn, and I think half of them are dead. So I don't know if I should take that as like a warning <laughs> sign or something.
0: Okay, I got to look that list up now because that's, that's phenomenal. Well, then you can, as a matter of fact, it sounds like you could actually take that down and put the most inspirational person of all time still alive, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: But then, <laughs> then I'm just going to jinx myself. I'm like, I'm going to, you know, survive. I've, I've survived two cancers, all those things that I've, I've accomplished. Yeah. And I'm going to die into it like a car or walking down my steps. So I don't I don't want to jinx myself <laughs> and say that.
0: Well, to me, that means that in order for me to be one of the most inspirational people of all time, I need to up my risk factor, obviously. Because uh, everyone who, who's become one of the most inspirational people have put themselves through some, uh, some crazy circumstances. So tell us a little bit about that, that background, man, fighting cancer, and then how that led you to do all of these amazing and, and crazy things.
1: Well, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm doing these crazy things. Mm. Because of what I've been through. I think more than anything, I, I'm, I'm more afraid of not living than I am of dying. And I I really firmly believe that because I've, I've seen death. I've, I've, I've danced with the devil. I've, I've, you know, seen um, literally death at at my doorstep. When I was 16, the second cancer, I had a man of the cloth come in. They wanted to put me in hospice. Um, A man, he comes in, he starts reading me my last rites. I look at my mom and my dad. And as a 16 year old, I literally said, what, what the hell is he doing? Wow. I'm, I'm not dead yet. And I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, Monty Python's uh, Meaning of Life. I have but not. The, the beginning of the scene, it's it's like in the, the Middle Ages, and they have this cart where they're just they're shouting, "Bring out your dead!" Oh, because yeah. it's right in the middle of the Black Plague, right? And they toss this guy on there, and he's like, "I'm not dead yet." And they're <laughs> like, "But you will be soon." That's exactly how I felt. <laughs> wow. So that, that was the second one. But the first one was when I was 13 years old. That's, that's when they uh, diagnosed me with advanced stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. And as an eighth grader, they told my parents, hey, your firstborn son has an expiration date now. Basically, they, they gave me three months to live.
0: Wow. And how old are you now? 46. 46. So the last, the last bit of cancer that you overcame was back when you were 16 years old. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so it was basically 16 and 17. I The way I look at it is I had cancer for my whole teen years, which yeah. is how I think I developed a completely different perspective than most people.
0: Let's talk about that. What right. what, what, what are some of the, the differing perspectives that you have may, maybe to some of your peers and, and how that's led you to accomplish all that you've done?
1: Well, I, I think the first thing is I what boggles my mind is that there are so many people who care more about what others think of them than what they think of themselves. Going through what I went through, I wasn't cared about, I, I didn't care about being popular. I didn't care about the, the, the latest clothes, you know, the nicest hairstyles. I'm just glad I have hair. You know, I'm, I'm glad I have clothes. I, I'm glad I'm alive. Because when they were worried about being popular and, and, and with, with, with the in clicks, <clears throat> I was literally fighting for my life. I mean, imagine you're going to bed <clears throat> night after night terrified to close your eyes because you don't know if you're going to open them again Mm. that was my perspective that's that's what happened day in day out and i would lay in bed terrified and just scared to death to to fall asleep so from a young age yeah from a young age I, i i saw things differently so i i see everything from a different perspective you know, do I do I get on a plane and have, uh, you know, one and two year olds, the kids kick the back of my seat? And do I get pissed off? Absolutely. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I try to see things from always always from a positive perspective.
0: Right, right. Well, and and I think sometimes people can get caught up in this concept that people who've gone through something like that have this have this new life perspective that shapes their entire lives, which obviously it does. But there's still human element to it. It's not like, like you said, it's not like they've got this amazing just peace and calm about everything because they have this ultimate new perception of what it means to be alive. So nothing ever bothers them. So I think that's a good thing to, to add in there.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm no different than anybody else. I just might have a warmer jacket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause of all the places that you've been to. So So from 16 and you said 46, right?
1: Yeah,
0: 46. Wow. So that's what 26, 36, 46, 30 years that you've been uh, that you've you've overcome cancer. So what was it? What was that point when you decided? Okay, I've overcome cancer. Now this is okay. I'm I'm alive. I'm going to be alive. I'm going to continue to be alive. Whereas I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. And then somewhere along the line, you had the decision. I'm gonna climb a mountain.
1: <laughs> there, there, there really is no linear progression to that. I don't, mm. <laughs> I don't think you know, it's, it's not like uh, you're you're learning how to play the saxophone and then you get a little bit better, a little bit better, and you all of a sudden you know you're you're tooting thing. Um, I, I after after high school, you know, I, I look back at it and see that it, when I was in college. I saw that the cancer really robbed me of my teen years you know, because I, I wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. I, and and I, I remember being 60, 70 pounds overweight, you know, bald from head to toe and just weeping and sobbing on the shower floor, um, you know, chunks of hair falling out. And I, I don't think that, uh, well, be, because of that, when I, when I went to college, I, I, I had a wonderful time. I mean, for me, it was like a $100,000 party. <laughs> you know, I, I had a blast and <laughs> you know, I, I started off molecular bio thinking I was going to cure cancer by splicing genes. And, and, um, it's, it's incredibly difficult to pass organic chemistry and immunology. If you don't study, so mm. I, I found that out the hard way. Switched <laughs> to psychology because I knew I had this, this mind body connection. I developed that years ago. So I, I had been a competitive swimmer since I was maybe five or six years old. And I think I, I still have records from maybe, 11 or 12 years old. So 80, what, 87, 86, 87. Wow. So there's still records around. I was undefeated in the summer league. I went to nationals numerous times and a number of records. Um, Now because they, they cut into my lat muscle. I have one lat muscle. I just, I just swim in circles. Um, (laughs) Oh man. So in college, I, I turned into a, a party animal. And then in grad school, I went, To went from Pennsylvania where I went to undergrad to Jacksonville, Florida. And that was the first time, and I encourage everybody to do this. It was the first time I actually stood in front of a mirror and asked myself those deep questions. Like, who are you? What do you want? What's your future? Because like I mentioned, every night I go to bed, I close my eyes be terrified I wouldn't wake up. Mm -hmm. So my future literally was the present moment. I didn't even know if I had a future. And then all of a sudden the the oncologist said, hey, Sean, go live the rest of your life. I'm like, well, what the hell am I supposed to do? I don't even know where to start. So that was the first time I looked at myself and thought, okay, well, now I I have a future. I'm still living for the present moment, but how am I going to reach my future? What do I want? And then did some research and and again, realized with the mind-body connection that I've been gifted. I wanted to use and utilize the highest platform I could think of. And I just kept doing research and it got higher and higher and higher. Log- logically, um, it came up that Mount Everest was the highest mountain on, on the continent or on on the uh, the planet. And I wanted to use that as a platform to give people hope.
0: Wow. So you took the concept of conquering your mountains uh basically the the psych the psychology behind that concept and decided to turn it into reality and say you know what i'm going to take everything that people teach you about uh, overcoming these obstacles in their lives and that the psychology involved in that i'm going to take it and i'm going to show people that it's physically possible not just mentally possible
1: Absolutely, and and when I first started, people thought that it was uh, it was physiologically impossible to do with half your lung capacity because I only have one functioning lung. Yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier. So people were like, that, "That's you can't do that." So I, I wanted to to prove to them that they were wrong. I wanted to prove to the cancer community that cancer is not necessarily the end; it's the beginning of your life, and it can be a tremendous life a life after that.
0: Wow, and. So you achieved Mount Everest with one lung. Now, are you the only person in the world to have achieved just Mount Everest with one lung? Or have you found someone else who's done it?
1: No, I, I, I've spoken to a lot of um, quote unquote professionals and they don't think it'll ever
0: be done again. Wow. So not only were you the only one, you're the only one of your kind in that achievement. <laughs> Uh, but you went on to basically push the letter even further and even further by finding the next thing to overcome and the next thing to overcome. And now you speak on those experiences, what was learned from all of these different experiences in your life. And you've written a book about it. It's actually, uh, I've got it right here as well. The, uh, the seven summits to success and you're adding on to that as well. So all of this, you're, you're taking concepts from it. What are, what are you know, what's, what's one or two of those concepts that have been some really big takeaways from what you've done?
1: Well, I, I think <clears throat> one of the biggest concepts is you have to believe it before you see it. But mm. like you have to know at your core that it's possible, regardless of what other people are telling you. Because if you don't think it's possible, it's, it's, it's just not going to happen. I mean, if you look at every single thing that's been created from from this pen to the microphone to the rings on on your finger, you know, to the hats in the background, to Zoom that we're using right now, at one point, it was a thought, it was a concept, it was an idea. Somebody believed in that idea enough to make it come to fruition. So, so many people have these concepts, these ideas, these thoughts, but they don't put the action behind it because they don't think that it's possible at their core. Mm-hmm. So, you have to believe it's possible. You know, yeah. a, a perfect example is the uh, everyone uses this is the um, uh, Roger, Roger Bannister and uh, the Miracle Mile. You know, the people thought it was physiologically impossible to run under uh, four minutes because they thought that you would suffer internal bodily damage, that your, your organs would be damaged somehow because the human body wasn't designed to move that fast. You know, so, people are, are breaking those things all the time, It's those it self limiting barriers that people have. So that was, that was one. Another one is is focusing on what you want as opposed to the avoidance of what you don't want. And I'll, I'll clear that up with, with a story because earlier I said I was, I was 60 pounds overweight, bald from head to toe. And I remember being on my hands and knees at 13 years old on the shower floor, weeping, pulling chunks of hair out of the drain so the water could go down. the water was collecting and it was because of of the chemotherapy was was pulling on all my hair and going back i thought I turned my phone off come on sorry (laughs) about that that's all right and had probably something to do with that alexa lady Um, (laughs) but um, it was it was in that moment then too when i was thinking about my friends like I said earlier, they're worried about being popular. They're worried about the nicest shoes, nicest clothes, whatever. I was worried about fighting for my life. And, and while I was there, utterly hopeless, I thought about the concept and the idea that I wanted to focus on surviving, not not dying. Hmm. So I didn't want to focus on not dying. I wanted to focus on living. And the same, same concept If you're if you're driving and you start sliding on ice or you're whatever it might be, you know, wherever your attention is, that's where you're going to go. So looking back at it with a 13 year old, I didn't want to focus on not dying. I wanted to focus on living because that's what I wanted. You know, another example, you're walking down the street and you're telling yourself, don't trip, don't trip. You're going to fall on your face. But if you turn it around from a different perspective, stand tall, walk strong. Entrepreneurs, When they start making money, you know, they're they're going for whatever they want. I guarantee you people invest in the stock market. They don't think to themselves, oh, man, I don't want to lose any money. No, they think that they want to make money. So focus on on what you want, not the avoidance of what you don't. Mm. those Those are the two big ones. Believe it first and focus on what you want.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. And it's funny that you mentioned sliding on ice. And, uh, the the fact that you're from Colorado gives me a a great story that kind of lines up with that. Me and some friends of mine went to Colorado. It's the first time we had been and from Texas doesn't snow here except for one in every decade. And, uh, Even then, it's not very impressive, except for this last. We called it Snowvid because it like blocked out all the electricity and everything going on in the, in almost the whole state. That was, that was a fluke. We're not, we're not considering that one, but we've never driven in snow. So we take, we go up there and we, and we get this Airbnb up there at Colorado Springs. And the Airbnb is at the end of a cul de sac that is on an incline. And it snows for the first time. They said it was one of their first heavy snows that they had in the area. And it snows. So we get snowed in in our little spot. Eventually we decide that we're gonna go ahead and try to trek out. We've seen cars go up and down, even this iced over road uh, all day long because it was a cul-de-sac, kind of a residential neighborhood. The, uh, the, the snow plows hadn't gone through and cleaned it up. Pretty much any of the days that we were there, they just, I guess they just didn't go that way. Probably because people know how to drive in the snow there. We didn't, we went out, we explored, and when we came, when we came to come back, we were gonna go up that incline and we kept aiming for these patches, right? Instead of, instead of going straight, like you're probably shaking your head and you're like, nah, I already see what you did wrong. We kept aiming for these dry patches. And every time we would try to aim for a dry patch, we'd turn the wheel and we'd end up sliding back down and we'd slide back down. We left the car parked at the bottom as far up as we could go. We'd parallel park it on the side of the street and we'd just walk the rest of the way up to the Airbnb where we were staying for a couple of days until eventually the lady or until eventually me and my friend, and we looked at all these cars, small cars, big vehicles, didn't matter. They were making it all the way to the end of this cul-de-sac. And we're like, dude, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> and so we get back in the car. We try to go after it again. We hop in it and we're like, all right, you know what? Screw the patches. I said, let's just go straight. I haven't seen anybody zigzag. I was like, let's just, let's just kind of get a nice turn down this street and just womp on it and just go straight. And sure enough, we trekked right along. Like, uh, I don't even know what you would compare that to like a knife through butter. It was that easy. It was just all the way up to the top. And we we're like, Oh my gosh, we could have been out exploring, not spending all this money on Ubers and things yeah, like that. If we had just thought to just go straight. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that. I like this. I like the, uh, the metaphor you use about uh, being in snow.
1: Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Because we, Living in Colorado, you, you we have a lot of people, if you're driving in Colorado and it's a snowstorm or there's snow on the road and you get behind some with Texas plates, you you make, it a, a, you make it your purpose to get around them mm-hmm. for a
0: reason. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> even, even if they have
1: four-wheel drive, they think to themselves, oh, I, I got four-wheel drive. That's great. You know, that just means all four tires are going to spin.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And it it lines up exactly with what you're saying. We were trying to avoid the ice by going places where, uh, where it was safe and ended up, like you said, putting us into the position that we were trying to avoid. Whereas if we would have just gone up and kept our eyes on the prize, this is the end. This is what we're going for. We would have made it every time and we would have had a better time. Had we realized that earlier on. So I, I like that a lot. And then the uh, the second concept that you talk about is uh, or no, that was the that was the second one. The second one, going back to the first one. Okay, well, I got off.
1: You have to believe it's possible before,
0: right? Seeing it before you believe it. Yes, absolutely. So that in itself is you know it's it's this concept of. Now I actually just sat down and had a thought process lined up about this. I'm writing an article that talks about this just a little bit, right? And it's the concept of how do we believe in something that we have no evidence has been achieved before? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that falls back on the concept of you know faith. Faith is the pursuit of something through difficulty without the absolute knowledge that the outcome is going to be uh, for the betterment, as opposed to for worse off, for the worst case scenario. And I thought that was a really cool realization. Realizing that you have to have a level of faith to make it into the unknown places.
1: Yeah, absolutely. People, people, you have to, you have to believe in something first. I mean, can can we see gravity and we can see the effects of gravity, but we can't see gravity. I know it exists.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: That's just one example, but whatever you're going for, you have to believe in it. And then even taking it a step further, I'm a huge believer in, in, in I utilize the mind-body connection, vi- vivid visualization all the time. And it's not just seeing you at the end result, you know, seeing, just seeing what, what it's like, adding in more senses and you have to add in how it makes you feel. You know, how you feel when you accomplish that goal, that makes it real to you.
0: Mm. you
1: know, because we're, we're logical beings. If, if you look back in, in, at, at all your, your memories, they're probably emotionally laden memories. They're not logical memories, because that's what means most to human beings. You know, you, these emotions. We're human beings. There's no, there's no reason we shouldn't tap into them. You know, so when you accomplish a goal, for me, reaching reaching the summit. You know, Kilimanjaro. take a group up every year as a fundraiser. You know, I love seeing people cry when we get to the top. You know, in a good way. Those are good tears. People rem- remember that forever you know, there's, there's that old saying that, um, you know, people, people will uh, potentially forget what you tell them, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. Mm. And it's so
0: true. That's really good. I, I, I really like that. And so you talk about the achievement, you know, the, the, the mental perspectives that you had from overcoming cancer. Okay. But we haven't, we haven't talked too much on all of these other achievements of of climbing these mountains what what were some situations that you found yourself in uh that were the most challenging when maybe it was the first mountain or maybe it was a mountain later on but it was what was one of your most challenging uh moments during these uh these amazing achievements
1: well two two specifically come to mind one was on everest and we were at camp three, which is on the south side of Everest, there are four camps. You, you go for the summit question, the south side. And also a lot of people, they don't realize that it takes a month and a half to climb the mountain. Oh my right? gosh. So I got to base camp April 8th. I summited May 16th. So you're, you're there for a long time. And, and the purpose of that is, is twofold you're establishing different camps along the route and carrying up a full backpack, coming back down with an empty backpack, carrying gear, right? Caching gear up the mountain and establishing different camps. But you're also, your body adapts to the altitude by manufacturing more red blood cells and hemoglobin because the oxygen up there is, is so, so spread apart. So if, if we left, like if you left where you are right now and just got dropped off the summit of, on the summit of Everest, you'd probably be dead in about five minutes. Wow your brain, you'll you just go unconscious, fall asleep and die. So to help, to prevent that from happening, you take your time going up the mountain. And another, there's two other things too. If you go too high, too fast, you could get high altitude pulmonary or cerebral edema. So cerebral edema, your brain swells. Pulmonary edema, your lungs collect with your bodily fluids and you drown. Wow. So you, you have to take your time. But we were on camp three, um, going up, we had one night at Camp Three. Then we were going to go to Camp Four, sleep there, and then shoot for the summit the next night. We were on Camp Three, which is the, the side of the of what's called the Lhotse Ice Face, which is a sheet of ice at a forty-five degree angle that goes on for a mile, right? So you you kind of etch down, you chop down and out to put your tent. And I was I was tethered to the mountain with pickets and ropes and everything, so I wouldn't rock it down. And I remember eating dinner the night before we were supposed to leave for camp four and I had, uh, it was beef stew, you know, like the spiral noodles, the, the dehydrated um, peas, the little cubed carrots and the chunks of beef. Right. Right. So like six, six 30, I had that. The next morning I went to bed then the next morning I woke up and I, I had to vomit. So I, I threw up everything. Right. And I could still see the spiral noodles the green peas, those little cube carrots and the chunks of beef, meaning mm. my stomach and my body, my internal organs were shutting down. I started suffering from cerebral edema. Oh, man. So my blood was pulling back from my appendages and surrounding my vital organs, right? My my heart, lungs, kidneys, stuff like that. But it turned out, and I, I slept on oxygen that night. So going up any higher, you, you take oxygen. The, the mask is connected to an oxygen tank. I slept on oxygen that night, slept on oxygen the next day, woke up the day after that <clears throat> and felt hundred percent better. Mm-hmm. But it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because every other group who left when I couldn't move, you know, cause we were supposed to be on a schedule where let's, let's just say Monday, we were supposed to sleep there. Tuesday, we were going up to camp four. Tuesday night, we were going up to the summit. I couldn't, they went up there to camp four on Tuesday. They went up for the summit push. Bad weather came in. They all turned around. No one made it that day.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) So
1: I had had this issue, right, that supposedly only goes away when you go down on altitude to to relieve the pressure. I woke up two days later, went up to Camp 4, stormed up to the summit. I was a third person to summit that whole season, came back down successful.
0: Wow. That's... (laughs) <laughs> I'd never thought about the fact that you; those are some real risks. Not just the freezing cold, uh, not just the you know the obvious risks of you know slipping and falling or whatever you may think of when you think of climbing a mountain. But the concept that your brain could swell uh, and that your lungs could fill up. Yeah, like, that's that's <laughs> intense. Think of the first people who did that and didn't realize that that was an issue. Absolutely. Wow.
1: And, and people think that you know mountaineering is is so romantic oh come on that, they're they're living in a they're living in a bubble they're, they're, they're stop stop reading those novellas you know you need to get out and ex, ex, actually do some research because it is not pretty sometimes no i'll be even, honest yeah i won't even go into how you go to the bathroom
0: <laughs> oh no <laughs> I mean, i'll be honest those are the movies that i really don't like to watch because i know there's going to be something just so uh, so nerve-wracking that happens in one of those movies that i can't fathom being put in that type of a situation um and typically they make movies out of things that are that are like that especially when you're talking about mountaineering um but yeah I, I i could i could not imagine it so that's that's one of the that's one of the you know the What's the word I'm looking for? One of the most challenging situations that you encountered. What was one of the most uh, accomplishment-filled situations that you encountered? Something that was just like, this is, to be cliche, the kind of peak of the mountain moments.
1: There, There were two. One was when I reached the summit of Everest. The entire time I was climbing, I actually had a flag that had names of people touched by cancer. And at the bottom, it said, dedicated to all those affected by cancer in this small world, keep climbing. Mm. So I had it always folded up my chest pocket at close to my heart, you know, as a constant reminder of, of my purpose, of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And all those, all those people were my inspiration. So when I got up there, I unfolded this flag and I wrapped it around the summit of the world, you know, essentially commemorating the struggle of cancer patients worldwide. And then I did the same thing on the highest mountain of every continent. And then most recently going to the North pole, there's a film on Amazon called true North, the Sean Swarner story where they documented the trip to the North pole. Wow! And in there at the North pole, I unfurled this flag. There are thousands and thousands of people on this flag. So I think those are the two probably most memorable experiences it was the first mountain Mount Everest and then the culmination of the Explorers Grand Slam which is the seven summits and the north and south poles so I think it, it kind of bookended the uh the inspiration there with those two flags which was just amazing
0: that's that's no that is that is absolutely amazing there's and I feel that anytime somebody has this extreme feeling of of accomplishment has to come with a grounding in the value that you were able to provide in that experience for other people not just not just the accomplishment within yourself having done what it is because just like you chose to tell me about two instances where the center point of the story is that you were you were reaching the peak symbolically for people who were going through cancer there were the the pinnacle of it was other people it wasn't Oh, this overwhelming feeling that I had finally achieved this summit—the word "I" being dropped in there—you know, more times than any other word. I think that says a lot about your pursuits, obviously, as a as a as a person and as a human being, and and the the reason behind what it is that you do, and that's very noble. And I think that that type of an achievement sticks with us much longer than just the eternal internal achievement. And it's, um, I think that. Again, I go back to this uh, this concept that I've been thinking on lately, which is that there is no meaning to life if we are not providing value to other people as well as being valued within that process.
1: Absolutely, and I I think you know I'm to the point where I want to create more than I consume.
0: Mm.
1: You know, which is why I've I've, I I do Kilimanjaro every year. You know, we, we pay for the Cancer Climber Association pays for a survivor's trip. Um, and then that survivor's responsibility is to raise funds for next year's survivor. So reaching out and helping other people. And I personally, I've never reached the summit of, a, of any significant mountain by myself. It, it just doesn't happen. And it could be for anyone, financial mountain. It could be the figurative mountain. It could be the literal mountain. It doesn't matter. You know, you, you don't get there by yourself. And if you do, it's a hell of a struggle.
0: Mm.
1: And, you, and say you get up there, great. You're celebrating with who? Yeah. You know what I mean? And what's the, what's the point of that? You know, I want to share. I want to share these these struggles with people. I want to share these accomplishments with people. You know, I want to be there when somebody reaches the summit of, of Kilimanjaro.
0: Yeah.
1: It's, it's crazy because it never fails. Someone always comes up and they're like, thank you so much for getting me here. And I look at them and I say, I didn't do anything to get you here. You know, and that's when boom it hits. You're like, oh my god, he's right. You know, I just I just guide him up there.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, you have to get up there on your own power. It's yeah. like anything in life. You know, you have to do it yourself. However, having a group and team makes it so much easier.
0: Right. Right. And it's fun. So you have not summited any of these mountains alone.
1: Everest, I had the Sherpas, which are local guides, you know, in Nepal, um, some of the most amazing climbers in the world. And I don't think it would be possible without them. Right. Um, Kilimanjaro, I've always had a group. And and every year, like, let's just say four people went over with me in in July. When we leave, Um, we would have two porters per person. So we're already at eight other people, Um, two guides, I would say for four quote-unquote clients, we would probably have a group of 16 to 20 other people. Just, just so those four people can make it to the top. Wow. Um, Elbrus, I, I had a group. That's the highest mountain in Europe. I had a group that I was going up with as well. I've, I, I've always had a group of people. You know, wow. I, it, I mean, what's, what would happen? Let's j- say I'm climbing Denali, the highest mountain in North America, and I fall into a crevasse and I'm out there climbing by myself. I, I didn't get through two cancels to go kill myself on a hunk of rock and ice
0: yeah no, that's what I, was, <laughs> I was gonna say you're ambitious not stupid that was <laughs> <laughs> I love that that I think that is because because the whole thing about peace with the process the podcast is that I, I you know we we listen to your story we hear what it is that you've that you've come through but I love I even do a a, a soul episode that I dedicate to it's called the process perspective so it's just taking anything that I may not have been able to pinpoint during our conversation, which I have some things that I'll be able to talk about on that episode already. But I think one big takeaway from this is the concept that there is, you, you, you need a team. You need a team. You need relationships. You need a support system to get you to those summits of the mountains. The man, the man who has done all of these with one lung did not go and achieve all of this on his own. I think that I think a lot of people can get wrapped into the uh, the sexiness of the lone wolf mentality, Um, and it's just not it's not logical.
1: And and that lone wolf mentality might be there from the the perspective of training. So you know, I'm 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 training for Kilimanjaro again, um, and I'm going up and down. There's a set of stairs, maybe five five minutes from here. You know, straight up, 200 steps. And I'll do that 10 times. Mm. I, I live on the second floor of my house. I just started right now. I'm calling to my wife to bring me food because I can't go down the <laughs> stairs. My legs hurt so much. But that training, maybe, you know, going out in the mountains and, and going up in the, the 14ers, the 14,000 foot peaks here, training, that's dedication on, on the individual's part. But when it comes to the actual event itself, yeah, you need, you need that team. So that lone wolf aspect might be there. And that's the determination. That's, that's the, uh, the, the dedication to the end result. However, I also enjoy, as you said, I enjoy the process. I love getting out. I don't like how my legs feel right now because I'm having a hard time standing, but I like the process. I enjoy what I'm doing because I know it's, it's making me better and stronger for the end result.
0: Right. And. There's actually a, a quote that exists, I think, to explain what it is we're talking about. I forget who it is that says it, but it's uh, if you want to go, if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go with someone. So I think that because exactly to your example, you know, if you want to if you want to do quick spurts to to build yourself, to build yourself over and over again, yeah, you can do that alone. But if you want to go far, you have to have people with you to do that. Yeah, you need the team. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Okay, well, I've, I've got a decent grasp. I don't think we can begin to really grasp everything that you could have learned and all the different perspectives that you've uh, probably had to lay down and some that you had to pick up through everything that you've accomplished. I'm sure people who want to uh, dive into that story even more can pick up a copy of your book, The Seven Summits to Success, um, and be on the lookout for the part two and three of that as well. So that's, that's interesting, as well as, I mean, in the documentary for the, the, uh, it's the North Pole, right?
1: Yeah, and it, it is, and it's it's called True North, the Sean Swonner story. It's on Amazon. But while you're watching it, again, going back to the team, you know, you're seeing you're seeing one guy skiing up to the North Pole with with a crew, mm-hmm. but who's like who's filming that? Right. Like the people are are not only doing what I'm doing, but they're filming it as well.
0: Mm.
1: So they need to do a documentary on the documentarians.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would actually be a very interesting uh, interesting series, having uh, having people document everything that those guys have to put up with. Because, yeah, man, they have to be in, I would almost say, way better shape than the people that they're filming because of, you know, in, in the and in the teamwork involved, everything that's involved in them making sure that, you know, you look good on the screen while you do this – Extremely challenging feat.
1: Yeah, we again we we all worked together because that we had our group gear that we needed to survive. Then we had the gear that the, there are two cameramen who went with us, and then we um, everybody else in the group decided, okay, let's help them out as well. Mm-hmm. So go, and then there's we're joking. We're like, dude, are you sure you need this many damn batteries? <laughs> <These> are, <happy. laughs> you know, are you sure you need those nineteen lenses? Right. Like, what are you doing? But we we divide that up as well. But you're, you're absolutely right. Those, the people who are filming are doing the, the difficult aspect um, of, of the expedition itself, but they're also behind the camera you know, with, with their f- fingers out in 80 below temperatures, pushing buttons. I mean, yeah. it, got to the, it got to the point where it was so cold, we knew the electronics were going to fail and, and the screens were just disappearing. But we didn't know it was going to get so cold that one day they couldn't focus because the oil was freezing. Wow. You know? Wow man that's
0: cold and we had a
1: bottle of whiskey going up with us to the north pole that froze too
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow and what it yeah what it takes to freeze a bottle of whiskey is pretty intense i don't know the the science behind what it takes to freeze alcohol but man that's that's crazy
1: yeah really damn cold
0: yeah so I think we can safely jump on to what initially uh, kind of gave us a similarity in terms of uh, a talking point, which is this concept that that you have a system for yourself to basically track your growth and and how so ex- explain to us a little bit of how that looks. I'm a little fuzzy on our conversation because it was a couple of weeks ago and I didn't have anything to, to write anything down, but I knew it, it, what we did was similar. So I'm I'm very interested in hearing about this, maybe also hearing a little bit about what what gave you this desire to start to start f- having this meticulous way of tracking your growth because i'm very passionate about my process i can only imagine someone who is ma- as meticulous as me or more has to have a passion behind it as well
1: so you're you're talking about my personal core values and rating my personal core values yeah so i have a journal i don't have it here in my office it's actually downstairs um actually here's a here's one still in the packaging it kinda, it looks like that uh, okay see that well it looks just like the mountains but it's the summit challenge journal and in here i have i developed a core values assessment where there are 60 different values and every three weeks i take a, a core values assessment basically and i pick out my top 10 core values and on the other page and that's usually where people stop like i know what my core values are that's good enough you know i'm, I'm going to focus on those Right. But mine on the next page, I rate them on a scale of one to 10, how I'm actually living that value. Mm. So if, if it's a personal core value mine, mine, I should be living it at a 10, right? Because yeah. it means so much to me. But I, I rate it. And so let's, let's just say, I, I know the first time I ever took it, um, family is one of my top core values. And I was living that at a two because we were going through COVID. I haven't seen my mom and my dad, my, my family in years. You know, in two years, almost surprised my mom for Mother's Day a couple Sundays ago. And I thought, OK, well, now I have a representation of where I want to start focusing my energy, my attention. And then I'll take it again three weeks later, because I in that journal, I have a bookend challenge. It all relates to uh, the, the big hill It's a challenge I, I run. And it's a three week challenge and it helps people utilize their personal core values to focus on mindfulness, the compound effect, and, and the bookend and everything. But every three weeks, I take it, and I can see if I've improved in my family, if I've improved in my personal growth, if I've, if I've improved in my um, adventure, say. Mm. So actually, I can track my progress on what means most to me.
0: I like that. And that's based on how you're perceiving it. Now, you said that you do that every, once every three weeks, right? So you would go in and you would rate one of those values on a scale of one to 10 every three weeks. So it's based on basic how you feel you're showing up in that moment uh, when you, when you come back to check on that.
1: Yeah. 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 It's it's not where I want to be. It's where I am right now. Basically, how am I rating myself walking the talk?
0: Mm. I like that. Mark
1: mark myself there. And I, and then I can see where I want to improve. I can see um, where I'm lacking. I can see where I'm doing well
0: i like that so you set out so once you realize that you have an area that maybe you're deficient in uh, as opposed to to being uh, maybe you're a five on a scale of one to ten what are some things that you might do in order to help yourself get to that next level like what does that look like in terms of prep to, to start getting closer
1: every morning in that journal i write down my morning affirmation and i look at one of the core values where I want to put more energy, more attention. So I'll write down a daily affirmation of how I'm actually going to support that value. And then I list down, it's in the journal too, I list out three things I will do that day to focus on that, that personal core value. And then three things I will learn to do to focus on that personal core value. And then at the end of the day, I write down five things I'm grateful for that happened that day, not uh, things like my health, uh, my house, you know, my wife, Things that happened that day, mm. and then I'll write, I'll journal about you know, for the one above, one of the five. I'm like, I'm grateful for blank because of blank. So that way, it re it taps back into one of those personal core values that I mentioned at the beginning of the day. So it's it's constantly in in my mind where I'm focusing on one of those personal core values to help through like the one percent, you know, do one one step today, one step today, one step today. Where I'm slowly building up and making it stronger and stronger.
0: So that affirmation, it's not just a I am statement, it's a I will do statement.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Or I am devoting myself to spend more time with my family today, whatever it might be.
0: Right. And you have you found have you found there to be a good balance between a an affirmation approach versus a to-do list approach because uh, i know i think a lot of people will use like a to-do list approach is there a reason you chose the affirmation route rather than the to-do list approach i
1: have both <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> and I thought, I thought that might be similar because the way you talk about wanting to or being grateful for what had happened that day uh, i, I kind of thought maybe it was a little bit of a hybrid of both yeah it
1: it, it is because i i have a, a list every 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 morning I wake up, I have on my email, I, I sit down and I write out an email of things I need to do
0: mm.
1: or things I want to do, basically. And that's, that's my list of things I want to do. But in my journal, that's different because I think that's more personal. That's building me up as a person. Um, do I always enjoy working and doing things? I'm like, no, absolutely not. You know, but I'm doing it because I know it's, it's either going to make a difference in someone else's life or it's going to help me in some way as well.
0: Gotcha. So just to just to kind of keep digging into this process I, I enjoy I enjoy kind of thinking th- thinking these things over. Um, so is there anything that that you do to so I, I want to talk about I guess the consistency of the process so obviously doing it every single morning you know doing those bits and pieces of the journal itself are things that remain consistent but the the things that you're uh, affirming or have down on your on your list of things to accomplish for that day those are the things that change is there um is there anything that because i've seen techniques used where people will devote entire quarters of a year to one particular area of their life and they'll do that and their whole deal is driving consistency by doing that one thing over and over and over again for a whole quarter with the intentions of building a habit around it but then I think your approach gives you the ability to make adjustments on a daily basis toward just feeling fulfilled in that area. Does that sound about right, or what's your thoughts on that?
1: I, I, I think so, and that actually it, it kind of hits on the nose or the head of the nail of the, um, the the big hill challenge, and it helps people. And this is what I've done in the past. People have always asked me, "Well, you know." Uh, my keynote presentations, for example, you know, I get, I, I would get done uh, delivering a presentation and there'd be a queue of people and they would all come up and say, that's a great story, but how did you do it? You know, because my first goal was to crawl eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom and then climbing 29,000 feet to the top of the world. Yeah. I, I didn't just go from the hospital bed to the top of the world. I, I did one thing at a time for a long time. So what I'm, what I'm doing with, with the program and what I do in my life is I focus on the bookend. You know, I just mentioned that becomes a habit. Okay. And then I stack on top of that, vivid visualization. So now I have two positive habits moving forward. And then when, when vivid visualization becomes a habit, then I stack on mindfulness and I keep doing that. And then they each filter into each other but they all start with that that um, belief that it's possible in tapping into my personal core values so when i when i develop one habit I, I then make another habit then make another habit then make another habit so by the time you know this whole this whole thing's done i probably have seven to ten different habits going from uh, the bookend to mindfulness to the compound effect to vivid visualization to Understanding what my gales are, which are the gremlins, the associations, the interpretations, the limiting beliefs, um, to knowing what my proper path is, to knowing what, what my triggers are, how to deal with stress and anxiety. So it's not just something that happens overnight. You know, right. it, it's this this linear path that helps stack one positive habit on top of the other. You know, just, just the same way you get to the top of any mountain, you don't just jump to the top of the mountain. You, know, you take your time, one step at a time, and that's what this is. You know, you, you can't change your life overnight, unless something traumatic happens.
0: Right. No, okay. but
1: if, if you want something different, do something different.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can't change your circumstances, you have to change yourself.
1: Exactly.
0: I love that. And I, I think now I've, I've, I've got a good idea of, of the real meticulous process that you have going on because you can, you can help, you can hand what you talk about to somebody and say, Hey, here's a good practice to start doing. And I think that that journal is it's a great process i think it's a very great starting point for a lot of people but you talk about these habits that are being built on top of each other on top of each other that have their own habits within them that's the meticulous process that uh that i find joy in because for someone like you and i who we've stacked all these habits but now there's you can't just stack seven habits and then stick with those seven habits for the rest of your life without any improvement upon those habits, right? At some point you're going to reach a capacity and now something has to be done, which is prioritization, right? Or the uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The kind of uh, if this checking to see if one thing works better than the other, which is, it's, it's kind of a form of prioritization. So once you realize, okay, these are some of the things that I do on a regular basis. Do I have, any room to fit this new thing that I've realized is a great way for me to keep growing a new concept, a new perspective. I've got to get rid of something else in order to take this on. I like, I like that part of the process. Have you found yourself going through that part of the process at all?
1: Absolutely. And it starts with being mindful. So Mm -hmm. That's part of the process too. When you're mindful of your, your daily patterns, when you're mindful of the decisions you're making, you can start making better decisions. You can start making more mindful decisions on what you want for your future, and it all goes back to is all tied to what matters most to you. Yes. Like, why are you making that decision? Because family matters to me. Why are you making that decision? Because I I, I want to uh, improve myself. Whatever it might be, but if you're mindful of your decision, because human beings are creatures of habit. You know, when when people wake up in the morning, they have a, a pattern to do. You know, a morning routine. Um, moms and dads, you know, they have a routine, um, meteorologists, they have a routine, Olympic athletes, they have a routine. If, if you want to change something throughout your day, start in the morning, start with, again, start with one thing. That's all it takes, but you have to be mindful of what has the most power over you. Mm. And, and again, you have to look at it from the perspective, of the angle of going towards what you want, not the avoidance of what you don't. So, for example, if if you're going to the fridge and say you're trying to lose weight and you have a post-it note, don't have the post-it note say um, uh, "Don't eat the cookies," you know. Have a post-it note that says "Eat the apple" or "Be mm. healthy" or something like that.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because it's, it's 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 reaffirming the positive side of things. Not because again, another it ties in with this with this thought process I've been going on for a little while, which is the concept that uh, it'll. It'll just continue to, uh, confirm the positive side of things. Whereas your brain likes to keep you away from all the negatives, the things that, that don't feel good. So I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I, mean, I know we're get, we're getting down to the, the final uh, wire of our of our hour. So I could keep going on. I find myself doing this in some of the conversations, especially whenever we start talking about the processes. So I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you've got some big amazing things to do. Uh, go ahead, and uh, we'll hang out for just a couple of minutes after uh, after we close here. But let people know uh, where they can keep up with what you have going on, how they how they can uh, be a part of the journey with you, uh, etc. You know, basically how they can be involved.
1: It's super simple, seanswarner.com. First name, just like Sean Connery, S E A N, spelled the proper way. <laughs> uh, and then just like the Warner Brothers, but slap an S, seanswarner.com. And I'm, I'm curious, you have me thinking because you're talking about the process. Have you ever seen the, um, the, uh, the show called How It's Made?
0: I think I've caught some clips of it uh, through just browsing. I think I've caught some clips.
1: Because I'm, I'm guessing you're kind of like me, where they show you, how, you know, like how how a pen's made or something like that. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in the machine, like how they made the machine to make the pen.
0: Right. Yes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, there's always this foundational thing yeah. that it goes behind the things that build upon the things, and it goes and goes and goes. Yes, I'm very much a fan of getting to the core. Awesome, Sean. It's, a, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. We've we've do- we've dove into so many things. There's so much more that I think you and I could could touch on, but people who want to uh, to learn more about what you've done, what you've overcame, the uh, perspectives and things like that, yes, check out the website, SeanSorner.com. I've got it pulled up as I've mentioned some of the things that he's got going on. Uh, very great tool and resource for all things, Sean. So make sure to check that out, guys. And Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Thank you the man of many mountains. I think it's a pretty suiting title for Mr. Sean Swarner. How awesome uh, is that story, that journey, that conversation? I think we have a lot left to learn from Mr. Swarner, but if you did not feel that you got your Uh, Phil of him today. Be sure to head over to his website, com and pick yourself up one of the books or publications that he has done. Dive deeper into the opportunities that he has available and be sure to just think about today's perspectives. We'll dive into the, the bits and pieces that we didn't quite get to spend a whole lot of time on in our Process Perspective episode at the first of next month, but I encourage you to think about what takeaways did you have from today's episode from today's guest that perhaps we didn't dive too deep into or perhaps we did dive deep into and you just have your own perspective that you'd like to share you can do that by heading over to our instagram or facebook page that's peace with the process on both and find today's teaser post and then be sure to comment what was your perspective from today's guest what was your perspective from the stories and experiences that he shared with us as always, thank you all for tuning in to another episode. And be on the lookout, as I suggested at the beginning of this episode today, for our Friday episode, where I'm going to be uh, journaling, documenting, sharing my experience as a new found father. So I'm very excited about that. I'm still thinking about what I'm going to call that Friday episode. Uh, Part of me thinks the father files sounds pretty cool, but then maybe I'm just going to keep it simple and stick with the perspectives theme and call it a father's perspective. Not sure. Let me know what you think if you got this far in today's episode. Drop it in the comment of today's teaser post of what you think I should name that Friday episode before we get there. And also, if you want to make sure that you get the update when that launches, if you haven't already, head over to peacewiththeprocess.com. And go all the way down to the bottom, you'll see a form that you can fill out there to get your insider's access emails. Fill that out and you will have that episode and all future episodes emailed directly to you with the links to uh, listen on the major platforms as well as all the links for our guests of that day. Uh, any insider links in terms of you know something we may have discussed on the show or didn't discuss on the show, you'll have all of your links right there To get anything and everything that we talked about on the show or didn't talk about on the show, sometimes I'm going to throw in some freebies and some gifts as well. I've done a few in the beginning of this podcast, but I'm looking to do some more. So if you want to get in on that and be one of the first ones to be notified, head over to peacewiththeprocess.com, scroll down to the bottom, fill out the form on insiders access. Or you can click on the tab at the very top of the website that says, uh, I believe it's resources, and you can hop onto that page and look at all the resources, links, all of that from all of our previous guests who had a lot of uh, you know information to dive into. So without delaying any longer, thank you all for listening to another episode of Peace with the Process, and I'll see you next time.